give Marcus all the time in the world. When we first met Marcus, we had the opportunity to go into the office area of Every Home for Christ, and um, everybody has a name and a title. You know how that goes, posted on their doors. And um, it was just really awesome because his door says Marcus Meyer, and his title is Prayer Guy. Prayer Guy. That's just that's all they could come up with. He's going to give you a little history of that and of his life. Uh, he is, by all... Pretty much Baylor's boss over there at Every Home for Christ and Acts um, Missions Training Center. Um, a man of prayer. And these last couple of days have been amazing as he has led us in prayer and, and taught us things about prayer and encouraged us in that. Um, had an amazing, amazing experience yesterday. One of our young people volunteered to be the first one to pray vocally in a session that and one of our very shy young people and it was like it just drew something out of her and and to see that and to witness that uh, is amazing and so uh, Marcus we want you to come we we love you brother uh, this is Marcus Meyer from Colorado Springs Colorado and the rest of the world God bless you brother I love you good morning are you guys doing? It is so good to be with you guys. Um, we had an amazing time last couple of days just worshiping and I got to teach on prayer and then we got to practice it and, and to see what the Lord highlighted and did. That story of, of that young girl, um, I told Raylene, I was like, that was worth the whole weekend right there. That she would have confidence before God in the place of prayer. And then just, just want to practice it. Just excited. Like, I'll, do, I'll, I'll go. You know, it was so good. So good. Well, my name is Marcus Meyer. Like uh, Rob said, I uh, come from Colorado Springs. We've lived there for the last two years. And what we do is we have a prayer room at Every Home for Christ's international headquarters. Every Home for Christ is a 70-year-old ministry. Um, they take the gospel home to home, door to door, in all the nations of the earth, pretty much. Uh, they're in about 155 different nations. And last year alone, we saw 17 million people respond to Jesus through the gospel message. 17 million people in the nations. Now, that's only the nations that we can name, that we can say that we're in. That number is doubled if we say the nations that we're not in and report the numbers. So in the earth, the good news is going forth. Now, that's just in our ministry. There's many other missions organizations that are preaching the gospel faithfully, and they are going forth and being proclaimers of the good news of the kingdom of God. But uh, it is our joy at Every Home for Christ to lift these laborers up in the place of prayer. And then I also get the privilege of helping to train and being a part of a leadership team that sends young adults from our nation to the 1040 window. And we ask God, Lord, would you give us the best and the brightest of our generation? And would you sow them into the hardest and darkest places? And would you let the light of the gospel of our glorious God and our Savior Jesus Christ shine in these nations? Did you know there's over 5,500 people groups that don't know who Jesus is? There's a spiritual famine in their lands. There's a biblical famine in their lands. And there are those of us that are called to go. 
And we're all called to go in some capacity. The Great Commission is for everyone. Go into all the world and make disciples. And there's some of us who are called here, but there's some of us who are called to go and make the gospel known there. So we're sending these young adults, and they establish about four hours of prayer a day in the places that they're going to the Middle East and to North Africa and to Southeast Asia and to Asia. We have about nine locations right now. And they're catching a vision of the worthiness of Jesus. And they're also bearing their cross. And I'm just so proud of them. I'm just so proud of them. Well, it's our, my privilege to be with you guys today. I'm married. I have seven children, five biological, two adopted. We had seven children. By the time I was 30 years old, I had seven children. And, uh, and we've lived as missionaries in the States our whole life. We also spent a time in Brazil where we planted a church. Uh, we're part of a church planting team that raised up a ministry of prayer in Brazil and kind of called the Brazilian people to that place of prayer. You can actually find that online. It's called Florianopolis House of Prayer, FHOP. And, uh, and they are being faithful there. But then we came back, and we've been back for the last two years. And, and uh, I've so enjoyed my time at Triumph Worship Center with the Griffins and and seeing their family and just how fun everyone is. This, this church has a real family feel. It really does. I feel, I feel like there's this close-knit, we're running together, we laugh together, we cry together. And, um, and I just feel like that's the gift God has given this church. You don't walk into every church and feel family. You really don't. I've ministered in many churches. And this church has a real, we're doing this together. And we're going after God together. And we can laugh together. And we can cry together. And we can eat together. And we can be real and normal together. And I love that. I really love that. I do. Well, we're going to... I'm going to be talking from Ephesians chapter 1. So you can go ahead and turn your Bible there. I have 30 minutes just to... We have 30 minutes to dive into this magnificent passage that speaks of who we are to God and of how he thinks of us and feels toward us and what he has done for us in Jesus Christ the beloved so this is a message of our identity it's who we are and how God feels toward us and my hope is to call you into a place of intimacy with God that you would feel the freedom to come to him because you know who you are as his son, as his daughter. You know who you are as his inheritance. And then you would cry out for more revelation of this. So you would live lives worthy of his name. No matter what your background is, no matter what your, your family situation is, no matter what your job is, we are all called as sons and daughters of God. And we can walk with our heads held high knowing the way he feels toward us. And we can walk in freedom from many things with this revelation. So, will you pray with me and we will ask the Holy Spirit to come help us this morning? We need the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus. Amen? Amen. So let's ask him. Holy Spirit, we ask you that you would come and do what you love to do. The word says that you search the depths of God and then you communicate his heart to us. So do that this morning. Lord, would you give us truth? And would you let the truth of the word wash over us and renew us this morning? Renew us by your truth, God. 
We ask you for what Jesus prayed for. Set us apart for your plans and purposes by the truth, by the sanctifying power of your word. And give me grace to preach this with faithfulness this morning. In Jesus' name. Well, I told you to turn your Bible to Ephesians chapter 1, but I was in the book of Revelation, so I'm going to go over to back to Ephesians chapter 1. And uh, this letter is a great, is one, of my, is one of my favorites. Of course, I have about 40 favorite books of the Bible, okay? <laughs> and the other ones aren't my favorites just because I really haven't got to them yet to study them yet. And when I get to those, those will be my favorite, right? So, I love the word, um, but Ephesians 1 has found a special place in my heart in this last season. Now, the whole book of Ephesians is, is glorious. I think of it as a pearl that was written and was given to the church. You know, a, the way a pearl is made is a little bit of grit gets caught in an oyster, and then the oyster produces a substance that wraps around that piece of grit, and over time, it becomes this precious stone. Well... The book of Ephesians was written in a time of, of irritation and a time of persecution because Paul was in prison and he was chained to a guard. And he said, how can I protect these churches that I love and especially the church of, of Asia Minor? And he penned this book of Ephesians. The first part of the book is about the salvation that God's works in us. That's chapters 1 through 3. Marvelous theology in chapters 1 through 3. Marvelous theology. And when I say the word theology, don't get scared of that word. It's just how God interacts with us and what he's done for us. And what he's called us to be. And Paul's reminding his church this wonderful saving grace that has been given to them. And then in the later half of the book, he he really instructs them on how to walk it out in a very practical way. He addresses marriages. He addresses slaves in that day. He addresses Masters, He addresses fighting that good fight. Waging the warfare that we're called to wage. I'm glad that Paul talks about life as a war. I'm glad that Paul talks about life as a fight. I'm glad that Paul talks about life as about being a soldier. I'm glad Paul talks about it as being a farmer. You have to be patient. You plant the seed. But it takes a little while for to see fruit. You have to have patience. You have to have endurance. Because if we didn't, how many of you guys feel that just life's, everything's okay? Everything's great. Nothing ever wrong happens. None of us feel that, right? So we have to stay engaged in the battle. And I appreciate Paul's practicality of human life. He's not this eternal optimist. He's like, no, it's hard. <laughs> Timothy, tells Timothy, he's pastoring the Ephesus church, the Ephesian church. Timothy, it's tough. You have to tell people who are preaching heresy to stop and you have to preach the good news of Jesus Christ in a truthful way and you have to wage warfare against those those other preachers he said you have to anoint uh, uh, pastors and deacons who prove their life and you have to tell those who don't that they can't do the job you have to protect the flock and he's telling him these hard things that are like, oh, I would just rather not have those conversations. <laughs> but he says, it's a fight, but it's a good fight. And so, and Paul is just overflowing. His heart is, 
is, is um, he uses such rich language in these verses. And he's telling us, really, what God thinks about us. And he's telling us, see, some people, and I, I've been guilty of this myself, we come to the Lord thinking what we can get from him. And that's good. We're called to get things from God. He's done many things for us. But Ephesians 1 tells us what God got when he got you. And he got a son, and he got a daughter, and he got a bride. And he got one that he's making holy and blameless. So let's get in to this chapter. Let's start with verse 3. Now verse 3 through 14, one of the longest sentences in ancient literature. It's one sentence in the Greek. We have punctuation, but Paul has one sentence. It's one fluid thought that's coming from him, and it ends and it crescendos after that in a prayer that what he just said, that they would walk in living revelation of it. And so verse 3, Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, I like to, to remind myself of this. I have been given everything. Guys, we have such a generous God. We have a God that wants to give us everything. And guess what? He can, because he owns everything. I mean, the spiritual blessings that we are waiting for to receive are incredible. I think, you know, one, one we talked about in the first service was our resurrected body. Did you know you were going to receive a body because of Jesus' work on the cross where you will live forever and you will never die? How many of you have experienced ailment in your body? You start to long for your resurrected body a little bit, the little older that you get. You start to go, that's a good promise. That's a good promise. Now, not only are you not going to die, your body is going to crave God. Your resurrected mind is going to crave understanding who he is. It fights against the knowledge of God right now. How many of you experience a mind that fights against the knowledge of God? How many of you have that sense sometimes when you go to the word, it's just like, I just don't, I just, I, I don't understand. That will happen in your resurrected body. You will understand. And guess what? He's endless. Guess what? His wonders will continue to fascinate you forever. Those living creatures don't get tired. They see him again, and a different aspect of his holiness strikes their heart, and they see holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And they're fascinated by God. You're going to be fascinated by God for eternity. I think of Revelation chapter, I was just, I was, I was, uh, my Bible is turned to Revelation because I was thinking of this during worship. I mean, have you ever read the promises that are going to be given to those who overcome in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3? Those who overcome, which just means those who stay in the fight. I love a friend of mine at IHOP. She wrote a song. She said, and it says, don't give up. Don't give in. If you don't quit, you win. And that's truth. If we don't quit, we win. And that's what John was saying. To him who overcomes, he says, you're going to eat from the tree of life again. And that's in the paradise of God. To him who overcomes, you will not taste the second death. You will not be harmed by it. You will only die one time. But you will not suffer. You will 
be with God in the mansions that he's prepared for us in the new Jerusalem. And God will be your God and you will be his people and he will dwell in your midst with you. It says this, that you will be given a new name. How many have experienced the tarnishing of your name now? (laughs) How many of you experienced just some embarrassment or you've lived life a certain way and you go, oh man, when people hear my name, they don't think good things. Guess what? You're going to be given a new name. He's going to even rename you and call you into the purposes that he has for you for eternity. That's a good promise. That's a good promise. When you mess up (laughs) and your head's down, you can pick yourself up and go, okay, if I don't quit, I'm going to be given a new name. He's going to help me with that. He's given us every blessing in the heavenly places. He's holding nothing back. Say, the Father holds nothing back from me. That was good. Now, I have seven children, so I do this a lot. I just tell them to repeat me, okay? Let's try it again. The Father holds nothing back from me. And He has all resource. He really has everything to accomplish it. Let's move on. Let's look at this. He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. Now, that word in is very important in verses 13 through 17. It's mentioned 14 times, the word in. We're in Him. We're in Christ. We're in the beloved. He's given us blessings in the heavenly places. And Paul is trying to get this idea that we have been grafted in to that vine. That John 15 vine, I am the vine, you are the branches. We've been grafted in to what the prophets say is the, the branch of the Lord. That's what the prophets call it. The branch of the Lord. One who is planted from heaven into earth and will Grow up and branch out and fill the earth with his glory. That's how the prophets call Jesus. And you've been grafted in to that branch or that vine. You're in the beloved. And you're chosen. I, this revelation washes my heart. Sometimes I feel forgotten. You guys feel forgotten? Sometimes I feel left alone. You guys feel left alone? I speak this over myself and I say, no, no, no. I am actually special to God. 1 Peter chapter 2 tells us this, that he has separated a special people for his own possession. And I confess this over myself. I'm yours, Lord. I'm your possession in the earth. I'm not my own anymore. That's what Paul says in Corinthians. He says, you're actually not your own. You've been bought with a price. You're the temple of the holy God. You're in him, and he's living in you by the power of his Holy Spirit. That's who you are this morning. And these are the confessions we make over our life, not just in positive thinking. If we are believers, this is actually the truth. And what we feel in our emotions that wage war against this, that's the lie. And I like to address it. I like to say, that's a lie. That's a lie that I feel abandoned and forgotten. I'm chosen by God. We're chosen by God. Look what we're chosen to. Verse Three, we're in verse four, I'm sorry. We're chosen to be holy and blameless in him. When we sin, when we mess up, when we stumble, remember, don't give up. 
Don't give in. If you don't quit, you win. Confess this over yourself. No, 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 no. That's not me. I'm chosen to be holy and blameless. I pray this over my family. I tell my children this. You're chosen to be holy and blameless. Now, we will be holy and blameless when we stand before him. He's leading us to that day. But we can begin to walk in the fruit of this now, church. We really can. Let's keep going. It says, in love. Oh, look at this. Verse 5. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. You have been adopted by God the Father. You can speak to him as a father. He's not a stranger anymore. When you go up to a stranger on the street, you can really only ask him two things. What time is it? And, hey, I'm lost. I need some directions. That's the only real uh, open door that you can ask a stranger. You cross some sort of threshold when you ask them for money. You can't just say, hey, can I have your briefcase? Hey, can I go home with you and eat dinner? <laughs> That's, you can't ask that to a stranger. And you can only ask a friend certain things. There's a, there's a place that a, a friendship sometimes can, can end, unless it's a really, really dear friend. But you can ask a father. Now, maybe you didn't experience this in your life, but you can ask the perfect heavenly father all things. He said, when, Jesus said, when you pray, you don't say our Lord, you don't say our creator, you don't say da-da-da, he is all those things. You say our Father. Our Father who is dwelling in heaven. Would your name be hallowed in the earth? Would you let your kingdom come? Would you let your desires be accomplished in my life? And then he says, and you can ask him for needs. Give me my daily. Paul, in Philippians chapter 4, says something remarkable. How many of you guys have anxiety? <laughs> How many of you actually, like, sometimes I've had anxiety keep me up at night. I'm just anxious. I think I wasn't in my 20s, and then I had seven children, and I got in my 30s and said, Oh my gosh, what am I doing? And you just have, like, this anxiety that's like, uh, you know. If, if you're normal like me, Paul says this. He says, be anxious for nothing. And you're like, Paul, be quiet. Like, who can ever do that? But he's going to continue it. He says, but in all things, take him to prayer in God. Peter says it a little different. He says, he says cast your burdens at the feet of Christ, for he cares for you. He actually cares about your burdens. And Paul's back in Ephesians 4, he says, be anxious for nothing, but in all things... Take supplications and prayers to God. And he says, and when you do this, when you respond to anxiety like that, the peace of God that passes understanding will guard your heart and your mind. So the way out of anxiety is to speak to our Father. Father, I need help. Father, this is hard. Father, would you release grace? And as we do our part being in the beloved, coming to him as a son and a daughter, he does his part. He releases peace. He releases help. He releases angels. He releases finance. He releases grace. He releases 
He picks up our countenance when our countenance is down. That's what David testified to when he was fleeing from Absalom. His son rose up and is trying to kill him and be king. That's a bad day. That's a bad day. David says, you're my glory and you're the lifter of my head. That's what David said in that season. I'm like, David, what did you know of God that I don't possess in those crisis times? How many of you have crisis times? God wants to lift up your head. You might be going through a crisis right now. God wants to lift up your head. He says, I will do my part if you will do your part. Talk to me. Ask me. Come to me as a son, as a daughter. Now, I've adopted two children. When I see this word adoption, I used to pray this and see this in a different light. I have real emotion of what it means to adopt. I really do now. Not, not that, and I don't say that to like, you know, to, to brag or anything. I'm not, I'm not saying it like that. But I've experienced this. And we had these two girls, and we had a picture of them. They're from Ethiopia. And we knew that the Lord was, 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 was directing us to do our part for the poor of the earth and that the way he was directing us to do this in this season when we were in our late 20s was to adopt. And the Lord specifically highlighted the country, Ethiopia. Well, we started the process, and an adoption agency approached us about these girls, and we said, yes, they were nine years old. And we decided to bring them into our home. So I started to get pictures of them. I started to hear their story. I started to pray for them. And I started to open my heart to these two girls who knew nothing of me. They were sitting in the muck and in the mire and in fear and in and in just worry. And they didn't know there was a father who was seeing them, who was already loving them. And who was already saying, everything that's mine is going to be theirs. Everything that's mine is going to be theirs. I will hold nothing back from these two. And we went over and we got them and, and, and brought them into our home. And it was amazing to see the progress just of them going from fear into love, from anxiety into acceptance, from worrying where the next meal was going to come from to just relaxing and knowing my father and mother are going to take care of me. They always do. It's being consistent. It's on the table. Going from they wanted to play soccer, we'll get you the best soccer cleats, you know, just like all that stuff, like you are ours and we will take care of you. What if we could come to the Father like that? That's our identity. We are adopted. Not only do we have security and acceptance. Guys, he's given us all things. Let's go on. It says this, that we are found in the beloved. It says that in verse, at the end of verse 6. To the praise, he's talking about the adoption, to the praise of his glorious grace. Paul has such lavish language here. To the praise of his glorious grace or his glorious generosity with which he has blessed us in the beloved. How many of you guys know of the baptism where John baptized Jesus and he came up out of the water? And the father shouts from heaven over his son, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. We can receive that for ourselves. You know why? We're in the beloved. You can feel that over your life. He's shouting from heaven. You are my beloved son. 
You are my, my beloved daughter. I'm well pleased with you. I'm well pleased with your face. I'm well pleased with who you are. Come to me. So we're in the beloved, and it says, In the beloved we have received, in verse 7, redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace with which he has lavished on us. Verse 10. No, let's go verse 9. Making known to us the mystery of his will as a plan for the fullness of time, verse 10, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. It says, in the beloved, we're going to experience redemption. And in the beloved, he is a glorious king. He's a glorious king. And he's going to bring heaven and earth together, and he's going to rule and reign, and you and I are going to get to take part in that. He doesn't leave out his children. He doesn't leave out his bride. He doesn't leave out his family. God wants a great and big family of affection. Have you ever read the dimensions of the New Jerusalem where you and I are going to live forever? 1,400 miles wide, 1,400 miles tall, and 1,400 miles in length. That's a big city. That's a city that would start at the middle of Texas and end in Florida. That's a big city. And then it goes up. That's a big city. He is a father and he wants a big family. You know why? Because he has a lot of love and a lot of resources to take care of everyone. And he wants to fill that city with saints. That's your and I's good news that we get to take to the lost. That's your and I's good news that we get to proclaim. You can live forever. You're never going to die. All those rewards, they're yours. There's acceptance now. There's forgiveness now. And there is freedom from anxiety and fear and depression And there is an eternal hope that is given to you that will deliver us from the fear of death. We all have to die once, but the fear of death, we don't have to live with it. We really don't, if we know who we are. Let's keep going a little bit. Verse 11. Oh, I love this. In him we've obtained an inheritance. We've kind of spent some time on that inheritance and that adoption. Verse 12. All right, let's go to verse 13. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire the possession of it to the praise of his glory. So everything that I've talked about right now, we haven't, we're not walking in yet. We're not experiencing it in its fullest We can experience it partially now and in some pretty dramatic ways, but we're not experiencing it in its fullest. And he said, to keep you in the fight, to keep you running this race toward this prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, I'm going to give you someone. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And he is going to seal you for that day of redemption that I'm talking about. And he's going to give you power to walk in that grace even now, before your day of redemption. And so in the ancient markets, when a person didn't have um, either the capacity, when they would purchase something, but they didn't have the capacity to get it from the market to their house, maybe they had to go back and, 
get a donkey or get a cart or something like that, but they had already bought it, what they would do is the store owner would pour hot wax over it, and then the person that purchases it would seal it with a seal either on his ring or he would have it hanging around his neck and he would take it off and he'd seal it. That's what the Lord did with us. He hasn't taken us yet to our eternal dwelling, but he said, but you're mine, and I'm going to put my mark on you, which is the Holy Spirit. Also, in the ancient context, when you might not put a seal, but you, say, but you might leave a deposit if you have purchased something. So you have this 20 bags of grain that you purchased. You can't take it with you right now, but you give them a down payment. You give them the, either the full price or you give them uh, a portion of what they're asking for. And then when you came back, they would receive the fullness of the payment. That's what the Lord did with us. He gave us the Holy Spirit as the guarantee of the day when he will return and make wrong things right. And we, by the power of the Holy Spirit, get to proclaim that now in who Jesus is. Guys, we have been given the most privileged position. We are love. We are chosen. We are in the beloved. We are called to be holy and blameless. We are adopted and we are full members of the family. Paul says that we are co-heirs even with the Son. Which means the Lord will give us an equal portion. Now, Jesus is going to be king, but he's going to bring us to be king. And so we can walk in the power of his Holy Spirit. And then Paul erupts in a prayer right here. So he tells them all these things. And then he says in verse 15, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, and I remember you in my prayers. And then these three petitions kind of point back to the three things that he just talked about. Or not, to the subjects he just talked about. He says this. He's like, I'm asking for you that the Father of glory may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. In the knowledge of Him. This in Him that we've been talking about. Or some say it's the knowledge of the Father. It's, it's the same thing. It's the knowledge of God. He says... You can't understand this apart from revelation from the Holy Spirit. Now, we can understand it. We're understanding it right now in in different ways. But he says basically this. There's way more you can understand if I will pray for you. And we can take it like this. There's way more that we can understand if we'll cry out to God and ask for revelation of the knowledge of God. There's way more we can understand. And I stand regularly before the Lord in a prayer room and I cry out for the church, for, for the American church and for the church overseas, Lord, give us revelation of who you are, that we would walk rightly before you as who we are called to be. So he says, he cries out for revelation for the Ephesian church. He says, having the eyes of our hearts enlightened. How many of you ever experienced an enlightened heart? Or have you experienced the aha moment in the word? Did you know we can experience that more as believers if we just ask for it? And we open our Bibles and we, or we're in a sermon. I, it happens many ways. We open our Bibles, we're in a sermon, we have that song on and a lyric just like touches our heart. It's like, that's truth. Oh, I love that. Or the Lord gives us uh, a, a dream or the Lord 
he leads us into revelation or we're just I was out camping with my sons and we were laying under the stars and I was just thinking of all the scriptures of like, you know, all these stars by name. This is unbelievable. Like every one of them you've named and you've set in place. And I was talking to my sons about it. We were just like, and he made all of this beauty. He says, I'm praying for you for revelation in the knowledge of God. And then let's go in the middle of verse 18, it says, And that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. This hope that I was talking about, that's, it's, it's called hope. It's hope in the resurrection. It's hope and that we'll be blameless before the Lord. It's, it's hope that we are sons and daughters. It fills us with hope. And he says, I'm asking that the hope of what you have been called to would be revealed to you. I pray this all the time. Lord, reveal to me the hope in which you have called me. Reveal to me that I am in the beloved. Lord, don't let me just know it in my head. Let me walk with the reality of it in my heart. When that fear and that rejection seeks to creep in, Lord, in that moment, would you help me to remember the hope in which I'm called to? When that crisis tends to throw me off my track and I want to run to different vices to find pleasure, Lord, would you help me to remember the hope that I'm separated for, that I am called to, that I've been sanctified for? And then finally, Paul prays in Ephesians chapter 1. He says, I want them to walk in revelation of who God is. I want them to walk in revelation of who they are in God as his inheritance. And I love that he prays this last one. And that they would know, verse 19, the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. God has power that he wants to give us and he wants to walk in it more and that they would walk that they would know that they would experience that's what that word know is that they would experience the immeasurable greatness of his power not just a little bit of his power the immeasurable greatness of his power that's what we're called to walk in and i don't let the barrenness of my life and the the famine sometimes that i don't see this power I don't let that dictate that that power is not for me. I go, I'm just not walking in it yet. But we can constantly grow. This is power for holiness. This is power for love. This is supernatural, miraculous power. The healing of the sick, the raising of the dead. Of the dead. This is power to preach the gospel. This is power to live a life of, uh, uh, that's free from fear. That we can step out and carry our cross and obey God in radical ways. It's power for all of it. But it's power, and we need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And if you're not walking in that power today, just ask him for it. That's what Paul's doing. He's like, I just asked God to give it to you. So just ask him for it today. So with that, I'm just going to end by praying for you, and I'm going to give the microphone back to Pastor Rob, and he's going to close out our service. But will you just pray with me for a second? Baylor, you can go ahead and come up on the piano. I'm just going to take one minute, two minutes. I'm just going to pray this over you. And you can just whisper 
little phrases of my prayer back to God and make it your own prayer. Lord, I thank you for Triumph Worship Center. And I thank you for everybody in this room. Lord, I ask right now that you would give us what Paul described as a gift of revelation. I pray they would have come from God. And Holy Spirit, you would reveal to us who God is. Lord, I pray for their times before you in the word. Even this week, and those who are struggling even being in your word, God, I pray that you would give them that hunger and that desire to draw near. We need you to even start there. Make us hungry for you, God. Make us thirsty for you, Lord. And God, would you reveal the hope to which you have called us? Would you let us walk as people of hope? All those promises you have given us in your Son, Lord, reveal them to us. And would you lift up our countenance and lift up our eyes to where our lives are in Christ, in God. Lord, reveal to every congregation in Tulsa as well. Would you reveal the hope to which you have called us? Would you let us walk as those who know that we are accepted by God? And would you let us draw near with confidence to God? And God, I ask you for a mighty outpouring of power in this congregation. Power for holiness. Power for love, power for radical obedience. I ask you, God, that when these precious believers pray for the sick, I pray that they would experience the power of the Holy Spirit in healing the sick. Lord, I pray that when these precious believers, when they pray for the lost to know you in their cities and in their neighborhoods and in their workplaces, Lord, pour out power and a measurable greatness of your power we love you and we worship you in Jesus